shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero, with me always is my good friend, my pal, my buddy, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm surviving, man. I'm getting a bit of a cold this Yeah, you morning. sound a little sick. You have a cold, it's a, allergies? What is it? It's it's Ebola. It's oh, Ebola. It really? my, my immune system just treats it like a cold. You know, that's that's uh, occasionally I'll get the... Uh, I'll get the body aches and the sniffles and everything. Usually it's turned out to be something that would kill a normal human being. But me, I just fight it off. You are a real man, and that's for sure, boy. I'll this is that. true. My immune, my immune system will attack squirrels in the backyard. Will it really? Without you even being oh, yeah. there, I bet. That's right. We should bottle that right. and sell it, and we'll never have to work another day in our lives. That's right. Kelly Globin, we call it. <laughs> Kelly Globin, that's right. Uh, there's only one way to get it. You have to listen to him talk. And ladies and gentlemen, yeah. we're all getting it right now. So, you know, Kelly, one of the things that I think we need to talk about is that there was a question that came in uh, via the internet, via Facebook. And the question was, you know, hey, I'm a new EMT. I, you know, I'm working nights. You know, my organization is worried about my response times. And, you know, how do I work at getting my shoot time down so we can respond quicker? And I think that this is a real uh, challenge, especially for people that are coming into the field that may not have had to work at night. You know, when you think about uh, a couple things here, you've got the stress of the job. You've got the adrenaline of the job. You're, you're, chi- you're trying to change your circadian rhythm so you can be awake at night or sleep at night. You know, so I think that there's a couple things here that need to be talked about. And I got to tell you, you know, at my age, I don't know that I can do the things that, you know, that I did earlier in my career. When I worked 24 hours, I just stayed up for 24 hours. But I was used to that from the military. I was used to that, you know, from my training. But there are people who work from 7P to 7A. There are people who work 24-hour shifts. And I I think this is a a real problem that we should kind of talk about and see if we can give some advice. I agree. And, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't deal with sleep deprivation like I did when I was 25. Um, but I think the first step is to distinguish that there is a difference between working a 12 hour night shift and working a 24, uh, working night straight nights, uh, on 12 or eight or 10 hour shifts or however it's broken down, uh, and, and staying awake during those is a relatively, relatively straightforward thing. Uh, on the other hand, uh, getting adequate sleep in a 24 hour shift that may f- be busier than you anticipate, uh, um, and, and you haven't trained your, your sleep habits to, uh, to deal with that sort of thing, uh, is a different story. You know, at Acadian, we have, um, uh, a variety of shifts, but mainly we work uh, 12 hour shifts and the, the rural uh, low volume trucks run, uh, run 24s. Um, and, and at Acadian, if you're working a 12 hour shift, you're expected to be awake for your shift. Um, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation um, to, to require a night shift worker. Uh, to be awake for those 12 hours. Uh, that's your job, and that's where you, uh, th- those are the hours you work, uh, and you're expected to sleep in your off hours. So if you're not coming to work rested uh, after a good day's sleep, then, then that's a problem that you need to fix right away. But one of the things I got to ask you is this I mean, there are people who work during the day who'll wind up, you know, falling asleep in the, 
you know, in the cab or some people will go in the back of the, uh, you know, the rig and they'll, you know, in their downtime waiting for calls, they'll go ahead and stretch out on the stretcher and, and take a nap or on the bench seat and take a nap. I mean, do you think that that shouldn't be happening or, I mean, what's your thought about that? I have no issue. I have no issue sleeping and catching a cat nap on duty. Heck that's my middle name, Kelly catnap Grayson, because, uh, you know, I, as the first part of my career as an undiagnosed sleep apneic patient, man, I would fall asleep at red lights. Uh, I'd, I'd go to work and, and not remember how I got there. I was so punchy. Um, so I, I can, I can dig getting as much sleep as you can and not feeling, uh, not feeling rested. Even when you have slept, uh, I've been there and done that. Um, and you know, there are policies that will, uh, that will allow that sort of thing. Uh, our general rule is, is if that you were, if you were, um, posted somewhere, don't be sleeping in the front of the cab in public view. Uh, but if you want to get in the back, you can sleep. Um, but if the rig is in motion, um, both crew members need to be awake. Uh, and, and that's not an unreasonable standard as well. Uh, but you know, I, I spent so much of my career, you know, um, hopping in the rig and then saying, yeah, wake me up when we get there. But Kelly, we're in route to a, to a, a cardiac arrest. Yeah. Yeah. I've worked those before. Wake me up when we get there. <laughs> or if you feel the brakes come on and you, you open your eyes, lean forward and look over and say, Oh, clear, right. And then go right back to sleep train myself to do those, those things. However, uh, when you're new in EMS, you, you really have it. Um, but it's still, um, if you work a, a 12 hour shift, doesn't matter when it is. Um, it's expected as a professional that you get adequate sleep in your time off, you know, and, and yes, it's a, it's a pain in the butt training your body to, to, uh, to overcome its circadian rhythms and learn how to deal with, uh, being a night shift worker, uh, and, and a day sleeper, but every professional, uh, that works those shifts has managed to do it somehow. Um, so that's just one of those things you, you, you set up time that, uh, when you get off work, uh, grab yourself a bite to eat or, or whatever it is your, your routine is going to be, and then go to bed. And then when you wake up eight, 10, 12 hours later, however it is long, long it is you sleep, uh, you, you shower, you shave, you put on a uniform, you get ready to go to work. Uh, that's your routine and doing that and, and being able to be adequately rested during your, your off hours and then coming to work bright and fresh, uh, is no different working on an ambulance than it would be working if you're at a convenience store or an office building. Um, I, I don't see the difference now, 24 hour shifts, uh, where you're used to a certain routine and you sleep and that sleep, uh, gets interrupted during your 24 hour shift is a different story. All right. So let's go ahead and give a scenario, I think. And, and then we'll kind of go from there. Cause I think that there's two things here that we can really kind of focus on. The first one would be that you work in a system that's fairly busy. They've got a high UHU. Uh, you're hoping that you get some sleep in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, maybe in a 24 hour period, you're running, uh, 12 or 15 calls and they're coming in sporadically. So I think you've got some, some, yeah. I think you've got someone who is, uh, uh, trying to get some rest and then them waking up because of the alarm. Then you've got other people that may run five or six calls. And I think that this is where more of that challenge comes in people who may run five or six calls in a 24 hour period. And they're getting that call or two or three in the morning. 
So I think if we take the first scenario first, Kelly, and we think about the person who's running maybe 15 calls in a 24-hour period, and they're laying down at you know 11 o'clock at night, and then it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're getting the call, what's the best way for them to prepare themselves to get out of bed, to get whatever dress they need to get, and for them to have a shoot time of 90 seconds so they're responding to that call. Remember, we've got 8 minutes and 59 seconds to get to a priority one call, a, a life threat, uh, cardiac arrest, respiratory arrest. But but that but that shoot time is going to add to that. And if we're doing 2 or 3 minutes, you know, because I've known partners that we've got woken up at 2 in the morning and they're running into the bathroom before the wheels are rolling. And, and now that I've hit my forties, uh, that would be me <laughs> wake up in the, you know, I'll, I'll wake up. Yeah. And I'm running in the bathroom the uh, first thing, but yeah, there are things you can do to, to get in service and, and, uh, keep your shoot time to a minimum. Um, first and foremost being train yourself to answer the phone and to respond to the radio. Uh, that being the case, you know, I mean, I've worked with so many partners who are new to EMS that can sleep through, uh, you know, sleep through a thermonuclear detonation or a riot in progress. Um, and, and you physically have to shake them to wake them up. Uh, I can commiserate cause I'm a pretty heavy sleeper as well, but uh, I'm not naturally a light sleeper. Uh, however, um, I have trained myself to, to respond to th- certain things. Uh, when I want to sleep, I can sleep. I don't care if you have a brass band playing in the room. Uh, I don't care if the TV is up loud. I can go to sleep. There are two things guaranteed to wake me up to instant wakefulness, and that is calling my name or my unit number. <laughs> you know, I just, I've just been able to do that over the years. Um, the first thing I would say is, is if you're trying to get some sleep, reduce background noise. Um, if there's something other than your radio, uh, reduce background noise. Um, uh, at night in, in my particular station, if I'm sleeping, the radio gets turned off because, uh, our, our dispatch center is required to call us on the telephone. If we're on a 24 hour truck and we're, we're in the station at night. Uh, so I know that I only have to listen for one thing. That's the phone ringing. Um, and, and I can tune out everything else service. I, I originally started working for, we actually had a special ringer on the telephone, uh, for the emergency line because, uh, the business line would ring quite frequently. Uh, and I trained myself to, uh, to ignore the business line, uh, got to where the phone could ring. And if it wasn't that particular tone, I didn't wake up. Uh, but you know, you can train yourself to wake up quickly. Uh, and you can also, you know, set up your equipment, your gear, your clothes to be able to get out of bed quickly as well. Um, little things like, you know, uh, side zipper boots or quick lacing systems, um, sleep with your socks on and your t-shirt on. So all you have to do is throw on a shirt, pull your pants up and buckle them and, and you're good to go. There, there are, uh, plenty of strategies to be able to get dressed quickly if that's what you have to do. What'd you try, Chris, when you were working a truck full time? Yeah, well, like I said, when I when I was working twenty four hours, I I stayed up the whole twenty four hours, and uh, you know if I fell asleep or took a cat nap, it'd usually be in the recliner or something like that. But I didn't like how I felt uh, when I had to uh, uh, wake up. So I, you know, being trained in the military, it was something that I was used to doing at the time. But 
Um, you know, I, you think about what you said with the, uh, you know, having your clothes ready and, you know, you look at the firefighters who, uh, you know, have their pants and they're over their boots and they step in their boots and they pull up their pants, kind, pants of thing. kind of thing. You know, and that kind of raises the question, do we who work 24 hour shifts, do we need to have uniforms like bunker gear or flight suits or something like that that gives us the opportunity to step into our clothes or do we just really need to get out of the habit and say, if we're working a 24-hour shift, that we just need to sleep in our clothes? Take your boots off. You lay in your bed. You know, it's, it's not a getting comfortable roll on your side. Put a pillow between your legs and, and you know, drift off into la-la land. Or do you just put yourself in a position just to rest? And, you know, because you don't really – I mean, you, you work a 24-hour shift, Kelly. You're not getting into that deep, deep sleep because if you do that, you're probably going to miss that phone call. Yeah, I definitely don't get into a deep, deep sleep because I, I'm, I firmly believe that dispatch has a sensor that, that uh, goes off in the communication center whenever my eyes close for more than three minutes. Uh, and they consider it a personal affront if I actually rest during my, my shift. Um, but yeah, you can, you know, you learn to sleep with your clothes on. Um, you know, you, you pointed out a, an interesting uh, idea. Uh, that that's many services of use, and that's the idea of having a nighttime uniform. Uh, you know, they may have a, a day uh, standard uniform of, of polo or a, a uniform shirt and, and uh, EMS pants uh, for the 12-hour cruise, but for the 24-hour cruise, uh, quite a few services allow their their 24-hour trucks to wear jumpsuits at night. Uh, I know a couple of my EMS employers did. They they um, between the hours of 11 p.m. and 7 a.m., that eight hours, you could be wearing a jumpsuit uh, on duty. They expected you to be in your in your uh, regular uniform the rest of the time, uh, but it was a fairly simple uh, thing to just pull on your jumpsuit, stomp your feet down into your boots, and you're good to go. Even as old as, and creaky and out of shape as I am right now, uh, when the phone rings, I can roll out of bed, put both feet on the floor, uh, and be in my uniform within 60 seconds. Uh, it's not a problem. So it's not a, a thing, an unreasonable expectation. Uh, but I have my uniform set up that way. I have my, uh, and I can't sleep in clothes. I, I can't do that. I can't even rest in clothes. Uh, it's a chore when I'm on duty to actually, uh, it's a hardship for me to actually even stay in my underwear. So, <laughs> but I, um, I have hang my, on, uh, hang on a second. I just, <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> uh, when Kelly's off, off time is naked time. But anyway, um, Jesus, uh, just to, uh, to be able to get out of bed, you know, I'll have my, my belt in my, uh, in my pants, my pants set up, uh, my, my boots unzipped, uh, and they're a good enough fit that all I have, the laces are pre-tied. Um, I'll have my socks and my, uh, underwear and my t-shirt on and my shirt has a zipper in it. Um, my shirt is also, uh, loose enough that I can pull it on over my head, just like a t-shirt. Uh, so six of one, half a dozen, of the other, it doesn't take, uh, you can either put your, your shirt on and have a, have a seamstress put in a, a, a zipper in your shirt. Uh, or you can, you know, buy one that fits well enough that you can pull it on over your head like a polo. Uh, and I can, you know, stomp my feet into my boots, tuck my shirt into my pants, buckle my belt and, and head on my way. Velcro belt. 
makes it even faster. I don't use a, a Velcro belt currently, but uh, they do work well and they're easy. That's what they're designed for is to get dressed quickly. Um, so those are things you can, you can do, but a jumpsuit, if that's an option at your agency, or you can approach your, your administrators to, to see if they can, they can implement such a policy makes it really, really nice. Um, what do you call that? What do you call a jumpsuit, man? Is this like a 1970s disco era? What's a jumpsuit? What are you talking about? Like a flight suit? Well, yeah, it's a flight suit, but if you don't fly, it's, it's kind of uh, specious to call it a flight suit. Uh, we call it a jumpsuit. Um, uh, tops used to make a, a variety of, of, uh, jumpsuits, um, or flight suits, if you will. Um, uh, I had one called a tops T 24 and I wore it for a year before I realized that 24 referred to the number of pockets. Um, I remember putting it on after I'd put it away for a while and found a, found a $50 bill in it. I, it was like Christmas came early that year. Um, and I only had one, one bad episode in a flight suit. Uh, I was, uh, in the shower and got a call, stepped out of the shower and it turned out my underwear and my, my t-shirt and my socks had fallen off the rack and gotten soaked by, by spray from the shower. They didn't, so they, they didn't fall. They didn't fall. They were put on the floor by, <laughs> they were put on the floor by your partner. That could have been, um, but, uh, I, uh, I hopped out of the shower and, and ran a towel over my head and stomped, uh, slipped into my jumpsuit naked and stomped my feet into my boots and went and ran the call. And then, uh, after I got to the hospital, I was, I was kind of rapping with the nurses. I was a single paramedic and, and doing my, my thing. And, uh, I'm, I've got the attention of several nurses and, and one finally says, uh, Kelly, you're not wearing anything under that jumpsuit, are you? And I said, well, how do you know that? She said, when you lean forward against the ER counter like that, you can see all the way through those slash pockets on the side <laughs> so, Gosh, so they could see all my business underneath that jumpsuit. Kelly so, Grayson, ladies and gentlemen, not only is he saving lives, but he's scarring nurses. So, so be warned folks. Well, I, I, I wasn't the, uh, I was literally half the man that I am now. So, uh, yeah, I can uh, see that. Yeah, just, just, just be aware if you do wear a jumpsuit, that's one of the hazards. Uh, if they have slash reach through pockets, um, uh, better have something underneath the, uh, the jumpsuit. Hey Kelly, let me ask but, you this though. How about, how about the flip of the coin from, you know, laying in bed and, you know, using the recliner, um, you know, so, I mean, you, you got these recliners that are in the, in the units or that are in the stations and, you know, you're, so you're sitting in front of the TV. So, I, I mean, I think it's a different type of rest. It's a different type of sleep. There are some people that uh, use their recliners as beds. There are some people who sit up in recliners and are able to rest, but they don't get the same rest as if they were laying in bed. Do you have a sense of, you know, going to sleep in bed or, or going to sleep in the recliner, does it give you a different, maybe a different feel of not having to get undressed? You know, you said, I can't sleep in bed with my clothes on, but I'm sure you've fallen asleep in the, in the recliner. Yeah. Yeah. I have fallen asleep in a recliner and you're right. There, there's a difference between sleep and rest. Uh, uh, me, that's my superpower. I can sleep anywhere. Uh, I used to work a lawn crew as a, as a teenager and, and there were too many people, uh, guys on the crew that I was the low man on the totem pole. I didn't fit in the crew cab pickup truck. So I ran from, uh, we went from house to house in, uh, uh, in the pickup 
and I rode in the back amongst the spools of twine, uh, weed eater, uh, line and gas cans and, and, and various yard implements. Uh, and I could curl up amongst all that under the toolbox of the truck and sleep. So that's, that's my, one of my few superpowers. Um, but there's a big difference between sleep and rest and really at work. Uh, I rest, first of all, you can't turn off your brain at work like you can at home. Um, so you have to remain at a certain level of alertness and wakefulness and, and, and you, you can't decompress, uh, at work, even if it is a slow shift. Um, so yeah, I can, I can, uh, kick back in a recliner with a, a br- blanket thrown across me or, or even without, uh, in uniform and, and catch some, some, uh, restful winks. Uh, it's not true sleep. Uh, I'll need extra sleep when I get home, but it can be done. So, yeah, you can you can try that approach and 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 try some cat napping in the chair in a recliner. Um, uh, so you're you're at least um, uh, able to uh, to rest and to uh, shake off the uh, rigors of the day just a little bit uh, while still being able to to come to full wakefulness when you when you uh, uh, the call drops. Uh, I used to have a a doctor friend who was notorious for being totally out of his head for a couple of minutes when you'd wake him up. And when he worked rural shifts in hospitals, he had a, he had standing orders to all the staff that when they call his call room and tell him to, to come down to the ER, uh, he said, um, don't accept any verbal orders from me until you hear me recite the pledge of allegiance. Are you serious? <laughs> that, yes. He said, do, do not, do not under any circumstances, uh, follow any verbal orders, uh, treatment orders or labs or anything else until you hear me recite the pledge of allegiance. If I'm at, if it's at night and I'm in my call room and I'm sleeping, uh, say Dr. So-and-so we have a patient roll out of bed, put your feet on the floor and wait for me to say, I have both feet on the floor and then ask me to recite the pledge of allegiance. And once I've recited it, then you can be certain that I'm awake and I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and That's that was crazy. his routine, but it worked, you know, cause you know, he, you wouldn't believe some of the crazy stuff that came out of his mouth. You know, he might've been still treat, treating the dream patient, you know? Um, so that, that was, is, his that time. is scary, man. That is scary. Hey, let me ask you this question, Kelly, where do you stand on the thought of training yourself just to stay up for 24 hours? I think that is a really, really bad habit that we need to avoid at all costs. You know, I mean, you and I, why is that? Well, you and I talk about, uh, about how we were able to stay up for 24 hours, um, back in the day when, when we were young stud paramedics and, and, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff we used to do back in the day uh, that we didn't need to be doing and, and certainly don't need to be doing now. Just because we were able to do it way back when doesn't mean that EMS hasn't evolved uh, and that there are better ways to do things now. Uh, you know, back in the day, I used to do quick looks with paddles and I'd do 25 pounds of paddle pressure and read my patient's rhythm uh, through the paddles on my Life Pack 5. But I don't have to do that anymore because there's a better way. Um, but there is no better way for this. Yeah, there is I, no better. I used to do, I used to do precordial thumps, but there's not really a point in it when you have a monitor attached to the patient. Um, so I, I don't think that, that training yourself to stay awake for 24 hours is healthy. Uh, and I don't think it's good for your patients. Uh, and I think that's one of those macho things that, that we need to start shunning in EMS, uh, 
And rather than say, suck it up and learn to stay up for 24 hours, instead, we need to say, uh, we have a duty to our patients and to our own safety uh, to make sure that we get adequate rest somehow. Yeah, but are we able to... Are we able to do that, though, when we're getting woken up and you got to put both feet on the floor and, and, and recite the Pledge of Allegiance before you're you're doing your business? And you got to remember, man, you're getting woken up at 2 in the morning and 3 in the morning after three hours of sleep of a stressful day. i got to give mapping directions to my partner. I've got to watch out for cross traffic. You know, I've got to think about uh, what am I going to do on this call. I mean, so when we think about the safety of our patients, us getting woken up at 3 in the morning it isn't really uh, ensuring that they're going to deliver that we're going to deliver the highest quality of patient care. So uh, I think when you say that, it's almost tongue-in-cheek because I don't know that we can do that waking up uh, after three hours of rest. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't uh, view it as tongue-in-cheek at all. I, I think it's one of those things where where working twenty-four hour shifts. You have to be expected to get adequate rest. If you don't have a fatigue mitigation policy that will allow you to get rest, uh, your service by God needs one. Uh, This is one of these things where uh, working these 24 and 48 and 72 hour shifts uh, in EMS happens because we continue to let it happen. Uh, we're willing to eat a crap sandwich as long as they'll give us a, a few peanuts on payday. Um, and that sort of thing needs to stop an EMS. Now I can fully be on board with a rural low volume truck, uh, running a 24 hour shift. Um, but the maximum I think the shift should be should be 24 hours, and you then you need at least 24, preferably 48 hours off. Uh, th- this is a huge problem in EMS is crew fatigue and overwork, um, and, and we're not we're not going to be good advocates for our, our colleagues and our profession. If we just say, suck it up and deal with it and learn how to deal with it. No, what we need to start doing is raising our voices and getting things changed about that. Uh, there is no excuse whatsoever for an EMS system to run a, a crew on a 24 hour truck and have them run 14, 15, 16 calls in a 24 hour shift without having at least some, fatigue mitigation policy in place. And, and I'm, I'm lucky in that I work for a system where if I'm on a 24 hour truck, if we run more than five or six calls a day, it's an anomaly. Um, because that's the way Acadian has things set up. Once your UHU is above a certain point, that will convert that truck to a 12 hour truck, uh, and hire extra crews to staff it. Um, but if it's below, if that UHU remains below a certain point, it's fairly guaranteed that you do not work, uh, a lot or you're not, um, running a lot of calls. Your call load is fairly low uh, on those 24 hour trucks. Now, the spoiler there is, is I also work in a area where we have system status management. So, uh, uh, dispatch will wake us up to go hold a street corner down 20 miles away, um, during the night. And that happens quite frequently and it, it sucks. Um, but once again, we have that fatigue mitigation policy in place. So if we're, if I'm sitting on the street corner for, for 18 hours of a 24 hour shift, I have no problem. Uh, when I get back to my station saying up oh, downtime and they have to take me out of the rotation for four hours. So yeah, it must be really hard to sit on a street corner for 18 hours and then need some rest. But uh, let me ask you this question. So I think you hold on. on. Let me let me respond to that. Um, yeah, it is hard when you when you have sleep apnea because you're not resting. What you're doing is choking and trying to maintain your airway when you're sitting up in the ambulance seat and you don't have your CPAP on. Do you feel better? Uh, you feel better now? 
Yeah, I, I feel better got, now. You got to defend that. <clears throat> now, if it's one of those things, you know, my 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 truck also has an inverter. <laughs> you know, if it's if it, I, if I have to, I could bring plug the seat, that, plug travel that seat back yeah. with me. You know, so I I can look like Darth Vader in the front seat of the ambulance. Bane. But I, I don't I don't yeah like Bane. Uh, I don't usually do that, but. Yeah, um, that's one of those things where resting, uh, the big difference between sleep and, and rest, and, and for a patient with sleep apnea, uh, the the gulf between sleep and rest is even wider. So let me give you this. I mean, you brought up a really good point where you talked about the UHU, and for people who don't know, UHU stands for Unit Hour Utilization, and it's things that we use as leaders to say, how busy are the crews? and. When your UHU gets above a certain point, it shows us how busy you are, uh, how many calls you're running, and how many, how much time you're you're awake during your shift, so on and so forth. So you brought up a, a good component. Uh, you know, you brought up uh, something that you said, and this is going to be my last question to you before we go to close: is um, do we need to get rid of twenty four hour shifts? Um. Uh. As a as an end goal, yeah, I think it would be a good idea to get rid of twenty four hour shifts. Uh, and, and you're going to call me a hypocrite for saying that's not possible. And we have to deal with it with uh, the system we have, um, but that is true. Uh, there are small, uh, low volume, primarily rural EMS systems that really can't uh, can't do twelve hour shifts. They they don't have the run volume to support. Uh, extra crews and, and only running 12 hour shifts. They couldn't keep the doors open otherwise. <clears throat> and, and, and that's a problem. Be it, be they private EMS agencies, uh, and, and running on, on insurance and, and Medicare reimbursement and, and wondering where their next box of four by four is coming from, or they can run for municipal tax base systems. But, but if the, the, uh, community is very rural, um, there's not a big enough tax base to support the additional payroll and, and funding that would be required to, to, uh, put on extra crews and get, do away with 24 hour shifts. Um, that's a reality. And as long as our reimbursement is, is so paltry, um, I don't think the 24 hour shifts are going to go away. Now, I certainly don't think that 48 hour shifts, uh, are kosher, um, and, and, uh, 72 hour shifts are just, are just cruel. Now you're going to find some rural EMTs go, don't take away my 48s and 72s. Um, I think we have a a bigger responsibility to the profession as a whole, rather than, uh, what, uh, what makes our schedule work. Um, 24 hour shifts are okay, but 48s and 72s, I think are, are, uh, relics of the past that need to be relegated as such. But Hey, that's what I think. We'd like to hear what you think. Do you think that a 24 or 48 or 72 hour shift, uh, is too much? What are your strategies for staying awake at night or getting, uh, getting awake and, and dressed and out the door in a timely fashion? Share your thoughts with us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, the bright and bushy tail one of the duo. This is Kelly Grace. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.